You're listening to Halford and Bruff. You know, we have, we're going to have some spots open, uh, you know, or, or like spots that are open that can maybe three players are competing for. I think that's a great thing. I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. My hope is definitely that he's going to carry on the momentum from last year. Well, as everybody knows, we had a number of shortcomings last year. Yeah, say that again. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog is away. Basketball Ben is here to play. What up, Ben? Good morning. Uh, good morning to you as well, laddie. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. Ah, uh, financial freedom. That'd be oh, nice. That'd be nice. Oh, yeah, I keep coming in here. Yeah. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, guest list begins today at 7 o'clock. Adnan Verk from MLB Network is going to join us as we whip around the majors. You know, we've spent so much time talking about the American League wildcard chase. How about the NL wildcard chase? Wait, wait. There's two leagues? There is. There's another one. It's called the NL. Two baseballs. Which stands for National League. Ah, Andy's spirit lives on. That's so sweet. Uh, Five teams in contention for two spots. I want to ask Adnan about that. I want to ask him about Shohei Otani. I want to ask him if Aaron Boone is just playing out the string. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to get fired at the end of the year. So I'm going to try and get thrown out of as many games as possible. It's amazing the amount of times. That's actually a really good idea, though. He's been thrown out 33 times. In six seasons as manager of the New York Yankees. I saw him described as the most annoying manager in baseball. Yeah, like, why? Like, last night's game, they're not close. There are 500 baseball teams. Like, why? That would be my end. Why bother getting thrown out? Maybe he he goes to a movie. I, he, he like a do, nine o'clock showing or something. He, could, he doesn't even need to put that much energy into it. He could just come up and be like, "Hey, I want to go see a movie. Can you throw me out of the game?" And the ump's like, "Gladly." You're Oppenheimer just came out. Can you give me the boot. <laughs> yeah. uh, seven o'clock. Adnan Burke's going to join us to talk baseball. Seven thirty. Manny Viveros, the head coach of the Western Hockey League's Vancouver Giants, is going to join us on the program. They begin play on Friday, right? And apparently, they've moved all the home games at the Langley Event Center from seven thirty starts to seven o'clock starts this year. That's tomorrow. That is, I, 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 the days of the week have no meaning right now. I am very sore and very tired from playing the hoopies last night. I think I slept about three hours. You say Kikuchi's like, how are you live? Yeah. Come, what's our combined sleep? Because I had a late hockey game last night. Yeah. Kikuchi looks at us and he's like, no, you guys will not be good athletes. And one of the guys, and he's right. One of the right guys was like, it. don't you have a show in like five hours? Because we were in the room drinking after. I got asked the same question. It's like, yeah. we were, we were outside a public pool drinking. <laughs> 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 was it teenagers? Not even a joke. We were there. And uh, the guy's like, are you got the day off tomorrow? And I was like, you'd think. <laughs> but here I am. Past the point of no return. 7.30, Manny Viveros is going to join us to talk uh, start of the Vancouver Giants season, which begins tomorrow. 8 o'clock, it's the Drancer. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver. One of the many Big J journalists 
on hand yesterday as the Canucks brass and coaching staff met with the media ahead of training camp, which begins today from Victoria. Uh, that's happening later. I believe the groups, they've been split into two, Group A and Group B go at 10 a.m. and noon today. They then switch times tomorrow, Friday or Saturday. There's a scrimmage. Saturday's a scrimmage. Sunday, they play Calgary. So there's your schedule there. Uh, Thursday night football tonight. Giants and 49ers. Giants are 10.5-point dogs there. And we are giving away Adam Sandler tickets once again today to see Sandler do stand-up. Uh, best what we learn gets those. Text them in. Dunbar number text line is 650-650. So working in reverse. 8 o'clock, Thomas Drantz. 7.30, Manny Vivero. 7 o'clock, Adnan Verk. That's the guest list. That is what's happening. Laddie. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them on the internet at bccsa.ca. As mentioned yesterday, from the Park Hotel... In Vancouver. Oh, sorry. Park Hotel and Casino mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks brass, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford and head coach Rick Tockett met with the assembled media of which yeah. Jason Bruff was not just a member of, but some say, some people are saying the shining star well, of the media availability. You know, I'm saying that for sure. Um, sure did. And usually I, I don't go to these press conferences, but... Uh, that's because I played the slots all day at the park casino. Which so, is fair. Um, you know, it was convenient for me. I just hopped in the elevator. I went up a couple floors to the conference level, and uh, there was the press conference. And in all seriousness, um, uh, it was a pretty lighthearted press conference. Like, people in the media were making jokes. Uh, Rick Tockett, Jim Rutherford, and Patrick Alvin were like, jovial i would say like mm-hmm. in, in a pretty good mood there were times certainly when it turned a little bit serious but um it is the cl- it was the classic kind of like the beginning of the season nothing bad has happened yet right unlike Press pre- conference unlike previous seasons where yeah. stuff had happened that was bad so you would say the vibe check was good it was high the vibes yeah, were high it, it was okay. um and uh you know it started out uh with jim rutherford who we haven't Heard from actually for for quite a while. How so is he the, doing? Yeah, he's good. Yep, good. yep, good, good. Um, <laughs> and Great. he he kind of he he started out with this um this message to you know without a question. It was just kind of like a statement. Um, and I and I noticed that it was a little understated in terms of expectations for the season. Okay. Like he kind of said. We did a bunch of stuff. We're happy with the stuff that we've done. And then he kind of said, but we got a long way to go. And one of the one of the things he said earlier was, um, we've nearly unraveled the cap situation. And nearly is the key. Because then he was like, we've still got a contract or two that we prefer essentially not to have. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, and then everyone was like, uh, okay, so I can think of them. Yeah. Right? Like, it's easy to th- to come think of the contracts, right? Like, it's uh, Myers, who's at the end of his contract, uh, Besser, and Garland. Yep. Right? Like, those are the those are the ones. Like, it's it, it, they haven't been able to get rid of those. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of decided to ask, the, the question that I asked 
And it was such an excellent question. Very good question. Uh, I said, because I was trying to get a handle on where they think they are in the process. Sure, where, what are the expectations? So I said, I, I asked, like, is this season going to be a referendum on the work you've done or... Or are you still in the beginning of your process to turn this hockey team around? That is a good question. Is it? It was, right? Like, sure. it was a pretty good question. Yeah. I thought, you know, all the other guys were like, what about the backup goaltending? And I'm like, let's get to the big picture philosophy stuff here, who's guys. Gonna play, who's going to play with Quinn Hughes? Yeah. We'll um, get to that in a minute, though. Do we have that answer, though? Do we? Do Because we, I think this, like, your question? Listen, let's, I'm, I'm going to, uh, we're on the streaming, so I'm going to pack myself, back myself on the back here. Uh, and, and, Did you say pack? I'm going to, I don't know how to do it, because I don't, yeah, pat myself on the back you here. Did, you did. Um, and this was the money quote of the press conference right here. I think we're partway through it. There's still work to be done. I mean, we're not even, a, we haven't even qualified for the playoffs yet. And uh, and we're we're trying to clean up some things. So, um, you know, every season you have to you have to judge the management and the coaches, and you know that's that's what we do in sports. Okay, um, I think to be very to the point, the changes that we made, we have a playoff team if everything goes right. Okay, your goalie has to be good. Your specialty teams have to be good. You can't get into a lot of injuries. Okay? No, I'm not saying if one of those things go wrong, we can't still make it because we have some impact players that can win games by themselves. Okay? But we want to get to a point that we, that we have enough in our lineup that you can have a few things go wrong on a regular basis and overcome that. But to be frank with you, that that's my opinion. It may not be these guys' opinion, but that's that's how I feel about the team we have right now. So I follow it up with like, what do those guys think? <laughs> and it was kind, it was kind of like it was honestly like I, I was thinking of making a joke like I hope it's the same because you guys have been preaching alignment a lot. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys don't think differently about the team. So I'm of two. I have two thoughts about what Jim Rutherford said. Okay. And the first one I've seen a lot from the fans, and it's like, wow, love is honesty. Good to hear Jim Rutherford back, right? He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He gives us the real honest truth. That's, I have time for that, sure, right? Like, I I do like that about Jim Rutherford. He's willing to give a quote, right? Yep. And that's fun for us. And he's honest. The other part, though, is I'm like... (laughs) So how do you expect to get to that uh, lineup where you know you you, you think you, you you a bunch of stuff can go wrong and you guys are still good? And, and a good example of that would be like Colorado last year still made the playoffs despite like a bunch of injuries happening to them. Yep. Right. Yeah. Now they didn't win the Stanley Cup, but they made the playoffs. And and you know there there are teams out there that you're you just know they're going to make the playoffs. Right. They're going to get in. Even if even if they have injuries, even if things don't go their way, they're going to get in. The Canucks are not at that point. So my question is, well, how do you expect to get to that point? Like, you're still pretty capped out. You don't have the greatest prospect group in the league. So how do you get there? And I think his answer would be, um, well, 
these contracts are going to come off the books sooner or later, and we'll be able to fully unravel the contract situation. The cap's going to go up, and then we can get aggressive. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he would I mean. <laughs> we're talking about theoretical answers to questions that weren't asked. But well, point, he did kind of suggest that in other in, in other parts of the press conference, yeah. right? Like once the cap situation is fully unraveled. Yeah. Then they'll be able to start, and and I would assume that part of that is like we can stop sending sweeteners out the door. Yeah, and that's part of un- the unraveling process. I would think you know the uh, for me takeaway from your brilliant question of Jim Rutherford was definitely like that's a very accurate assessment of where the team is at. That the slogan could be Vancouver Canucks. Let's hope nothing goes wrong because that's where they're at. That's where they're at in this build. You're asking if the build will go farther. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of saying like they are what they are right now. Is like that, is that good enough after a year and a half of them being in management? Is that good enough? Was that is that is that acceptable? Like we, how long are we going to be here for? I mean, I think it was. I think the what they inherited was a, a big mess. I've been, yeah. I mean, I'm on uh, record uh, saying yeah. that. No, so. Point taken. That, <laughs> so are they? Yeah. So point taken <laughs> that you know, are is this good enough progress from the mess they inherited? I don't know. That's a tough one to answer because you could point to parts where it'd be yes and parts where it'd be no. I think the bigger picture is: is they're under no disillusionment. That is what is kind of refreshing. You're not getting fed or sold uh, a bag of magic beans about what this team is. Mm-hmm. That to me is all right. Now, some people will say, Halford, you're accepting a mediocre bar. And like, yeah, that's part of my yeah. thing. But Look at my snap. broadcast partner over here. But Obviously, I am. The bigger bigger picture thing is that if, if they understand what they are and they're willing to, at the very least, acknowledge it and not try and snow over the general public, then I'm like, okay, let's see if this is what the ceiling is going to be or if this is a stepping stone to something greater. There are organizations at this stage that would take getting into the playoffs. There are, and it's not a great thing, but it's the reality of the situation. I think there's a lot of other takeaways from yesterday, and they're a little bit more less big picture and more kind of direct in what's happening right now. Um, you know, you mentioned that it was a very mellow, very sort of jovial attitude at the press. Yeah, right? I wouldn't call it mellow. I would just call it like happy. It was, right. it was there a happy and an optimistic, uh, lighthearted Type of press conference. There wasn't a cloud hanging over it, like maybe previous press, you know, availabilities. There, there was nothing that the three of them were up there, and you knew they were like dreading the question about this, right? And I thought um, one interesting part in terms of foreboding or dread or anything was that there were a lot of questions, and rightfully so, about this gauntlet that they've got to run at the start of the season, hashtag the start, right? How much importance did the coaching staff, did the executive, all these guys place on something that we've talked about a ton on this show, mm-hmm. the start of their regular season and the hashtag the start thing? Oh, it was it was, it was, it was absolutely a, a, a big part of all their answers and a, and a big part of their questions. Now, I also felt like Rick Tockett, especially kind of wanted to say like, Hey guys, like even if we don't get off to the good start, like we still have to keep playing. Right. <laughs> we still have to keep trying. Right. And I, and I think that's, and I've said this before. One of the big challenges for a coach is to create a mindset on a team that allows things to go badly because guess what? Things are going to go badly. Yeah. He was talking a lot about um, special teams and, 
He said that, you know, obviously the PK is going to get a lot of work at training camp. Normally, he said that, you know, coaches don't even look at special teams until later, right? And he said, we're going to pretty much start right away working on special teams, power play and PK, Mm -hmm. because you've lost a pretty important piece on the power play in Bo Horvat. So you're going to try and find out his replacement, who's that going to be, maybe other a couple other fixes, but more importantly, the penalty kill, which has a bunch of new pieces, and they have to be way better. And he was saying that, I'm kind of glad we've got Edmonton in the first game, and the second game, by the way, because they are the bar for power plays. Now, he said, listen, if the PK doesn't look good, in our first two games against the best power play in the league, Connor McDavid, McDavid or, or, or Drysidel, like you just keep working at it, mm-hmm. right? And I think there is a bit of a risk that we've made, and the Canucks have made so much of this start that you know, like you do have to allow. Like, what if it doesn't go well? What if they lose their first game to Edmonton, lose their second game to Edmonton? And then they're out on this road trip, and the road trip kind of goes like, okay. So after, what, six games, they're like, I don't know, two, three, and one, okay. right? Okay. That's not, it's not the end of the world. No, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. I think what he really wants to focus on is just like being prepared and just doing the work. And a lot of it is cliche stuff. But Tockett really believes in this stuff. He's, he's just like, I don't believe that you can just be like, oh, we better win those games to start. He's like, you know what we better do? We better just work. We better put the work in. We better be prepared and just give ourselves the best chance of winning those games. But if you don't, you don't just pack it in. Right. But that's easier said than done. Because in this market, if they don't get off to a good start, there's going to be a lot of noise. So this is going to be on the coaching staff, and this is going to be on the new leadership group to be like, yeah, there's noise here. We're professional athletes playing for a team that a lot of people care about and a lot of people have been frustrated about the last few years. So how are we going to deal with this? And what I like about this season is we're going to find out a lot about this group. Are they up to the task? Is the leadership group up to the task? Is the management up to the task and the players that they've brought in and their plan for the season? Is the coach up to the task? Mm -hmm. It is high pressure right off the bat. And here's the thing. I hope it goes well. I want to see the playoffs. I hope this team, I hope what, what Jim Rutherford said is you know, is going to happen. Like, we're going to take a take a step this year, and then, you know, even more contracts are going to come off the books, and then we're just going to really start rolling. I hope that's what happens. But if it doesn't, I also hope they take an honest look and be like, hey, we gave ourselves a pretty good chance to be successful this season with this group. We made a bunch of moves to address weaknesses, the PK, uh, the defense. We even brought a backup goalie at the last minute. If it doesn't work, take a hard and fast look at this and go, is this working? Is this worth putting more work in, more energy into, or do we need to have a completely new philosophy? So it's it's funny that you mentioned this because yesterday in an interview with Sportsnet's Ian McIntyre, Thatcher Demko basically said what you said, but in fewer words. It wasn't as long and as passionate a rant, probably because he's talking iMac. But uh, basically what he said was, I think this is do or die for our group. 
He then went on to say, and this is very specific and very pointed, not criticism, but assessment of where they're at. We love this group of guys that we have here, this core, but we can't really say that we're a young group. We have plenty of experience. We have a certain maturity about us, and you see guys stepping up. He then went on to say, like, two years ago, if you had told me that Quinn Hughes was going to be the captain of this team, I would have laughed because he was just a young, fresh-faced kid. But yeah. now he's been he's around like, oh, for Hi, Thatcher. Yeah, exactly. I spilled my <laughs> ear medicine everywhere. But now you're looking at it, and you're saying, okay, it is kind of do-or-die time for a lot of guys on this team and in this group. It's past the point of let them get another year of seasoning and another year of maturity. It's This is the year where all those other years really tend to start to matter. Mm-hmm. What's concerning about that, the only concern I took away from yesterday, is that Rutherford very accurately saying, like, this is a playoff team as long as everything goes right. And to me, that is a dangerous thing because there are weebles and wobbles and bobbles along the way in a season. I'm not sure. When do things things ever go all right? Right. And I I understand what he was talking about. He was talking about, like, as long as Thatcher Demko doesn't miss 40-plus games due to injury or as long as Pedersen or JT Miller or Quinn Hughes or somebody else's significance doesn't have a huge injury. I, I get that's what he was talking about. But you brought up a good point. With Colorado, and I think this is why, I don't think, I know this is why people say you have to build a elite or at the very least borderline elite team because you have to bake into the recipe times where things don't go right or all your players aren't available to you or organizational depth becomes as important as ever or you have star players that can bail you out of bad situations, right? Last year in Colorado, and again, it's a really good comparison to bring up because things didn't go great. There were a ton of injuries. But Miko Rantanen also took a jump to being a 50-goal, 100-point mm-hmm. guy and carried the team on his back. When uh, he was available, because Nathan McKinnon missed a lot of time, McKinnon put the team on his back. His scoring rate was unbelievable. And that still just kind of got them into the playoffs and eventually lost in the first round. If you don't have that wiggle room, suddenly you're looking at it and saying, did we overvalue the collective good, the collective worth of this group? Because really what Especially it might... Especially the core. Because what yeah. it might end up being is uh, Pedersen's pretty good, Hughes is pretty good, Demko's pretty good, but they're not at that level that they can carry a team in those moments of weakness. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what we'll find and, out and, at times this year too. And I also think those teams have a way that they play... Oh, that's a big and in a way that everyone knows how they play, and that was like the word alignment came up a hundred times yesterday, mm-hmm. right? And and a lot of it was alignment between all the coaches, including the ones in Abbotsford. So the players down in Abbotsford know how the Canucks are playing. Right, and I was kind of like, they're both called the Canucks, but yeah. he meant like the big Canucks, right? Yep. He, he, and so Jeremy Colleton. And Rick Tockett are on the same page. And they're all speaking the same language. So the players that are down in Abbotsford, if they come up to the Canucks, they're not like, hey, what system do you guys play up here? Yeah, where should I be? Right? Can someone show me? I mean, and they're all like, no, we don't even know where we're supposed to be. I can't tell you where you're supposed to be. Again, you know, like there are a lot of buzzwords that have been attached to this team. We know about like structure and accountability. I think alignment. I mean, I don't know if you'd want to add it to like the marketing program like the Canucks have done. Like alignment. We're aligned. It sounds like something for your gut health yeah, or something not like a that. Talk. But um but they that is what they're they're talking about. And the best teams have that. 
the best teams are able to plug players from their minor league team into the system and they just keep going. And there is a way that they play. And one of the things that I think you'll notice Rick Tockett saying, and they're trying to brand this, is like, you've got to be in shape to play Canucks hockey. And then... Half the time, I like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know I've already asked a great question, but what is Canucks hockey? You should have asked it. I I'd already left pretty much. I was like, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I came up with the question in my Uber on yeah. the way home. <laughs> okay, uh, we got a lot more to get to on the program. I'm going to keep asking Bruff questions about the media availability prior to the start of training camp. Start of Canucks training camp is today. A lot of questions were asked yesterday. A lot of those questions were answered. I want to know about who's going to play with Quinn Hughes, what the outlook is for Ilya Mikheyev. What did they say about Kuzmenko's off-season training program? Is there going to be a practice facility? All this coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, as everybody knows, we had a number of shortcomings last year. And we feel that we've improved some of the areas. We'll see how much we've improved them. But penalty killing was a a sore spot. Uh, We brought guys in that have had success killing penalties over their career, and we hope that they can come in and help us in that area. 631 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in Hour 1 of the program. Hour 1 is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. Okay, yesterday, Jim Rutherford, who you just heard coming back from break, Patrick Alvin and Rick Tockett all met with the media, Jason Bruff included, Big J Journalism on display, uh, talking about the upcoming NHL campaign for the Vancouver Canucks. Training camp, in case you weren't aware, begins today, Thursday, from the Save-On Food Center in Victoria. It's going to be two groups, 60 guys. Thursday is to today, camp. by the way. What did I say? Just Thursday. Oh. Well, it's, I think everyone understands that today is Thursday. It's today, though. I think I'm reading. That's yeah. the problem. No uh, kidding. There are going to be 60, count them, 60 players split into two <laughs> groups. Uh, 10 a.m. and noon puck drops for the training sessions. Then on Friday, flip times. Saturday, scrimmage. Sunday, man, we're already there. First preseason game in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So things are happening pretty quickly now. As you would expect with the sort of eve of training camp media availability, there was a lot of nitty-gritty that got like, There's some big-picture stuff, sure. Are you going to be a playoff team? Do you have any more buzzwords that you want to attach to this marketing campaign? Structure's a good one. Then they had things like penalty kill, power play. Who's going to play with Quinn Hughes? What's the availability of Ilya Mikheyev to start the year? So I'm going to ask you more. What to, when did you leave? Did you get answers to all kidding. these questions? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was guess, there the whole time. So special teams were a big issue last year, understandably. As I understood it, Tockett said he's going to kind of lead the charge with regards to coaching the power play. Yep. The Sedins will have their input. Sergey Gonchar, mm-hmm. who was on the power play a lot during his lengthy NHL career. So penalty kill power play. Uh, were there any standout moments with regards to answering questions? Well, I think the power play um, question was interesting because typically the head coach does not 
he's not in charge of the power play, right? He'll he'll hand that off to someone. And we've seen those assistant coaches in Vancouver throughout the last little while. Now, Tockett was responsible for the power play in Pittsburgh, but he wasn't the head coach there. So he said that, you know, he's, listen, he's going to lean on the Sedins to be able to come into the odd um, video session. And, you know, so Gonchar, he can lean on him. But, like, Gonchar's not a full-time coach, right? So it's, I, I'm, we need to get it to the bottom of, like... He's a Zoom guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be on Zoom. I, I, I don't even... I don't, I'm not even sure. But, um, Gonch, uh, but Tockett's going to be in charge of it. And I think that'll be interesting to see how it works out because the Canucks power play needs to be good. It needs to be better than it was last year. And last year, it's it the the sniper on that, the finisher on that was actually Horvat, and he's not here anymore. Yeah, there were other finishers on there, but so they're going to need to replace Horvat in that bumper role that he played so well, right? Like he had a great one timer. You get it to Horvat right in the slot. You go high-low and then back to Horvat, and more often than not, he was burying it. So who gets that spot? Is it like Beauvillier? Does Besser get out there on the power play again? Who knows? And that's what we're going to find out through training camp and the preseason. As for the PK, Mm -hmm. and this is the big one, I think, because it was just so dreadful and so much time and energy and cap space went into fixing the PK this offseason – and the the people in charge of that are Footer and Yozy. Oh yeah, yeah Footer, yeah. two of my favorites. Footer and Yozy. So Adam Foot and Mike Yo. And a lot of people probably, oh yeah, Mike Yo's still on the staff, Absolutely. right? I forgot Mike Yo was still so, here. So Mike Yo and Adam Foot will be responsible for the PK. And I think we're going to see a lot of that at training camp. If you go to training camp to watch these guys in Victoria, um, you might not see it on day one, but you're going to see some special teams practice because. I think that the way they see it is the power play needs to be a weapon for us. Mm-hmm. Like we need to have a good power play because at five on five, we're still finding our way. Mm-hmm. So with the type of players we have out there, including JT Miller, who's excellent on the power play, and Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, like in Kuzmenko, it needs to score goals. And Tockett was saying, like, I look at the guys, like he said, like, listen, I know the Oilers are are the bar. Like they're the best in the NHL at the power play. But I look at our guys, and I see the potential out there to really zip the puck around, to make some plays. You got guys that can shoot, like Petey, um, and you know you got a great playmaker in the likes of JT Miller and Quinn Hughes. Kuzmenko can finish as well. Now that fifth spot, again, the one that was Horvat's, Mm -hmm. that for me is the big question. Like, who replaces Horvat? Because he was excellent in that role. As for... The PK, there's a lot of new pieces out there. But I think one thing that Rick Tockett said, said a lot about the way he felt about a lot of the PK personnel last year. And he was talking about Ian Cole and how he had Ian Cole in Pittsburgh. And he was talking about the Stanley Cup final between the Penguins and the Predators. And the Predators had a five-on-three power play. And he said that Ian Cole blocked like six shots. And he said that Ian Cole is willing to block shots, eats, willing to eat pucks, willing to eat pucks. And we know we know guys like that, right? Chris Tanev, Alex Edler, they were willing. They they were willing. That and that's yeah. a very important word because 
I think one of the frustrations they had with Oliver Ekman Larson was his lack of willingness to block shots. He was on a puck diet. Yeah, he didn't want to eat pucks. He was just like, <laughs> not for this team. It's, look, it was pretty obvious that they <laughs> they even said it out loud, that the issues with the PK were going to have to be solved externally. Yeah, I think that was one of the first things Tockett realized when he came on board last year, was he didn't have the right guys for it. I mean, is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. He never really, I mean, because he, he specifically said he didn't want to play guys like Pedersen and Miller on the, the PK. It just wasn't his style. Yeah. And then when it was like, well, who are you going to play on the PK? It's like, well, that's where the problems start. Because, you know, you're not putting your best players out there. Mm-hmm. You're putting specific guys that are going to fill that role. And they didn't have it. Curtis Lazar didn't work out, shipped off to New Jersey. And then they went out. And here's the thing. They targeted guys that are going to be PK specific, but also guys that they know can play it because they had them before. Yeah, like Teddy Bluger. Yeah, like I think the thing with, La- I think the thing with Lazar was, okay, this guy has the pedigree because he did it in Boston and he mm-hmm. learned under one of the best defensive forwards of all time in Patrice Berger. I remember we had Lazar on the show yeah, and he talked about that, but then he got in and they're like, crap, this isn't working like we thought it was going well, to. And part of that was that Lazar wasn't the guy on the PK yeah, but in whatever Boston, the, right? Like, Don't don't get whatever. bogged down in the nitty yeah, gritty. Yeah. But the, the point was it didn't work and they got rid of him. Mm. They went with familiarity on this, right? Now, I do want to pivot to the backup goalie position because there was some familiarity there with Casey DeSmith, who was acquired in the Tanner Pearson trade. Did anybody ask the question if it's going to be an open competition for the backup spot? Or is this just going to be handed to DeSmith, who's got way more NHL experience than Martin and Archer Seelovs. I don't think it's going to be handed to Casey DeSmith, but I think he is the lead candidate to okay. be the backup goalie, okay. at least to start. And I think that's the smart. I think that's the smart move. You know, Spencer Martin, even though he did, some people will say, you know, he found his game in the AHL later in the year after he was sent down after losing his game pretty badly. Like again, the start of the season pretty important. I don't know if you trust him in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Archer Seelovs. The guy just hasn't played many NHL games. And how many times do we need to go through this? Especially for a goalie, you want your young goalies that are talented to be playing games down in the AHL. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? You might have to replace Demko at some point. Who knows, right? I'm not not saying not saying they're going to trade the guy. I'm just saying you need to have that goalie developing in the minors that you have trust in. You don't want to put Archer Seelovs on the bench. In Vancouver? Right. Demko's Demko's going to play 80% of the games. How's he going to get better if he's just watching Demko? Right? So I think this is why they brought DeSmith in. They brought in a guy to be the backup. So um, I don't think they're going to go to Casey DeSmith and be like, don't worry about it. You got this. You can do whatever you want at training camp and preseason. We know you from Pittsburgh. You'll be fine. You're good. Um, good. Right? But like, I think that that is quite to me it's quite obvious that that's what they're thinking uh we asked this question of footer adam foot when we had him on the program a couple weeks ago we've asked this question of pretty much every canucks guest and insider that we've had over the last month who's gonna play on the pairing with quinn hughes i know rick talkett addressed it but he also sort of didn't address well i think they're gonna i think they're gonna try a few things and that's exactly what adam foot said uh i'm sure they have in mind uh footer yeah Footer. Footer. Uh, I'm sure they have in mind what they want to do, but they're also going to acknowledge like, hey, it might not work. So one of the things that Rick Tockett said is like, don't read too much into 
the pairings with Quinn Hughes at training <laughs> camp. And, yeah, right. Yeah. Of course I'm going to read too much into those While pairings. Drance wrote about it, he's like, we're going to read too much about it, or I think he tweeted about it. Yeah, tweet about it. Like well, that's what we're going to do. It's one of the one of the one of the big questions is not only how um, who's going to play with Quinn Hughes, but like how are the rest of the pairings going to look? Is Carson Susi going to be a top four guy? Who's going to play? I think the more important question, frankly, is who's going to play with Philip Peronic, because Philip. I know that Quinn Hughes can play with like whoever. Mm-hmm. Right? He he looked good with anyone. And Taka kind of said that. Like, we put anyone with Quinn Hughes in a, in a look okay. The big question is Philip Peronic. We still haven't really seen this guy because he played a few games for the Canucks, but yeah. he wasn't healthy. And he needs to be good. For me, he's the linchpin player of the team. Like, if he's good and the Canucks have two reasonable pairs, one with Hughes on it and one with Philip Peronic on it, then I like their chances of making the playoffs. If it turns out that Steve Eiserman was right to sell high on Philip Peronic, well, they're in trouble then. So who are you going to put with this new guy? Are you going to put a new, another new guy in Carson Soucy? Yeah. Who I, knows, right? I mean, I think, I think the worst thing would be if, oh, we got to put Quinn Hughes and Philip Peronic together. Like we're going to yeah, pair. I think they've each got to be on separate pairs. Parsing through what Footer had to say on the show earlier, um, he did kind of suggest that, not without directly saying it, just by nature of how highly he thought of Hronik, which I, you know, I was like, that's impressive that you were able to see that because we didn't get to see it in the four games, right? You didn't get to see enough body of work, but he went back and watched a bunch of the tape from color uh, from Detroit, and kind of suggested that this guy has the skill set and talent that he gets his own pair. Essentially, you don't mm. need to put him with Hughes because him and Hughes are both good enough to carry their own pairs. Now, whether or not that plays out in Vancouver remains to be seen. But we're just like a few hours away from the start of training camp. So at the very least, we're going to get to see a healthy Philip Hronick there. Um, Another thing, speaking of health, uh, what's going on with Mikheyev? What's the outlook? When's he going to be ready to go? Is he still not going to play in any games in the preseason? Well, he's not going to even start uh, skating with the main groups. There's two. There's always going to be an A and a B group. He's going to skate with the C group. Now, the C group is yes c group that's tough oh i played bantam c yeah right uh not even a d so (laughs) i think there are four groups so the c group is a kind of like a mishmash of guys some will be the non-contact group and mikhaif he said he's gonna you know be wearing a non-contact jersey um and the c group is often like the Jake Vertanen group, where you didn't show up to camp in shape. Yeah. So you're going to be in the C group. And it's actually interesting because uh, Tockett mentioned yesterday, and I think we can talk about Kuzmenko now, mm-hmm. Tockett mentioned yesterday that they had already done their skating tests and their fitness tests. And he said, well, I'm going to go back after this press conference and we're going to look through those results. So I'll be curious to see if there's anyone in the C group that's healthy. Because if there's anyone in the C group mm. that's healthy that you expected to be in the A or the B group, then you know that, well, you can maybe suspect that it might have been a fitness issue. Yeah. As for Kuzmenko, um, and, that was one fitness. of so that was one of the more lighthearted moments of the press conference, right? When um, they were talking about Kuzmenko's summer in Bali, and Jim Rutherford started um, answering the question, it was basically like, "What did you guys think about 
Kuzmenko spending the summer in Bali. And Jim Rutherford kind of said, like, my son followed him on Instagram all summer and he loved it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then he said, but I don't know how the coach felt about it, right? And everyone was like, ha, 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 ha. And then Tockett said, well, it, like, you could tell he, he had been skeptical about it. Sure. But then he said, listen, the guy took a whole crew over there. He said, I know these guys make a lot of money, but that must have like cost a lot of money to go over to Bali and you got to rent ice and you got to bring all sorts of people with you. Um, and then he kind of made the joke, like, if Kuzmenko's in great shape and he scores 60 goals this year, we'll all be going to Bali next year, right? We're all going on vacation so, together. But I think generally they're, they don't sound too worried about Kuzmenko, it sounds like he's in better shape. Sounds like he dropped a few pounds. And more importantly, I think, because this is like, this will be like maintenance of this fitness. Um, they're giving him a lot of credit for changing his diet. Yeah. What was it that he loved? Pancakes or waffles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had Nutella. Know. Yeah, Nutella waffles were his big, his vice going into last season. So that's going to be an interesting one to monitor because I've said this on a handful of occasions and I'll say it again. It seems almost, I'm sorry, but it feels like almost a certainty that there's going to be some regression there. Like, I know some people are thinking that he's on a rocket ship to being a 40-plus goal scorer, having scored 39 last year. But it's really hard to look at that shooting percentage and not think that it's going to come back to Well, I think the answer is more shots, more ice time, more shots. But more shots don't always equal more goals, and we know this, right? It's quality of shot. No, but it offsets the shooting percentage issues that a lot of people are worried about, right? You just add more shots. So if you have more shots and your shooting percentage falls from 14% to 12%, then maybe it evens out in the last little while. The Canucks need to be better in all areas. Mm -hmm. Their power play needs to be better. Five on five, they have to be better. And in theory, if they are better, then Kuzmenko has a chance to match what he did last season. I think they're going to play more low event hockey, though. Yeah, well, that's... by. I think everyone's numbers could, in theory, come down. Uh, One of the frustrating things about this Canucks team is that, and I'm sure it's frustrating for the management, too, is like they were a losing hockey team, and yet a bunch of guys put up really good individual seasons. Well, why is that? They were too high event. Because there was a lot of goals being scored in their games, right? There there would be games where the Canucks would score four or five goals, which is good, but they'd still lose the game. So all these guys are racking up points, and they're like, oh, my God, we're going to have to pay these guys, like especially Pedersen. But um, but the results weren't there. So one of the things that I found curious, actually, and it wasn't brought up at this press conference, but it has in the past, is like, are guys like Petey and Hughes willing to sacrifice some of their individual game for the good of the team. Now, I've never thought of Pedersen and Hughes as like stat patters. Like I I don't feel like that they're out there and just be like, well, as long as I get my points. Mm-hmm. Like they don't play that way, but as part of the leadership group, I think they're going to be encouraged to display that and have that attitude of don't worry. Even if your stats aren't piling up, the most important thing is the group. And that's tough. Like, make no mistake about it. That is tough because when you've been on a losing hockey team, you start getting selfish. You're like, well, I got to take care of number one now. And I'm going to make sure that 
I get these opportunities on the power play or that I pile up points because then when I eventually get out of this team, at least I'm going to have a resume to bring with me. Sure. That has to change. Has to be more about the group. And I think that is a hell of a quote, by the way, from Thatcher Demko. When he comes out and he says, this is a do-or-die season for this group. Yeah, I think, again, I go back to what Rutherford said. I go back to what Demko said. And it's, you know, kind of grabbing, not necessarily like eye-popping, but it's an, it's a very frank and honest analysis. And the big part that I'll go back to again is it's honest analysis. I don't, No one's got any sort of disillusionment or wrong perception or heightened expectations or lack of reality about what this group is. Mm -hmm. Like Demko knows that the time for the young Canucks passed probably in the bubble and (laughs) Rutherford. (laughs) A while ago. Yeah. And Rutherford probably knows that this is a team that's good, not great at its peak. (laughs) Okay. That's, and and they came out and said it yesterday, right? There's not going to be a lot of uh, slack or a lot of rope given to a group that has underachieved for this many years mm-hmm. and not really shown anything. And that's what Demko was alluding to. And Rutherford knows that the Canucks are built with some good players, but they're not in the echelon where they can afford some of those good players not to show up and still get into the playoffs. So that's what the team is. It was all very much laid out in front of you yesterday, dear listeners. And that now the, it becomes the annual, well, are they going to live up to these not here's the key part not massive expectations right mm-hmm. it's more of a long overdue we're waiting to see the culmination of this group that's had some promise how good can they be this year meaningful games in december basically <laughs> don't have your and, and the bar is low i people have accused us of you guys are accepting a low bar yeah kinda i would like to see the season not be over by november <laughs> I would like the opening road trip not to paralyze the team. I would like to see what it's like to be in the throes of a playoff chase after the trade deadline. I'd like, I don't remember the last time, I guess the bubble season when they went out and bought um, Tyler Toffoli, but I would like to see what it looks like to have a team that's interested in buying some players at the deadline. Like those are the things that you want. Cause you right? can actually discuss that. It's but, fun. But, 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 but job excitement level aside, like it's, that's what this group needs right now is a little bit of pressure to show something. Mm-hmm. Lobar, yeah, but you got to show something. And you got to start. Go said what he said, and that's why Rutherford. And said you got to start said. somewhere. And yeah. that was another message from that group, especially the coaching staff. So do you want to? Do you want to know the answer that I was most surprised by yesterday? Yes, Jason. What was the answer you were most surprised by yesterday? The Canucks media availability. It was Jim Rutherford being asked about a practice facility and him saying. Our hope is to have something for next offseason. Sweet. And I'm like, how's that going to be possible? Just you got to build fast. Because he also said, like, you all know the city you live in, land is not readily available, and it's certainly not being given away for free. But I was like, how are you going to get a practice facility built in a year? Guys at Fire Festival built an entire concert ground (laughs) in like six weeks. That went great. So the speculation that a lot of people, including myself, had is, well... Maybe their plan is to just retrofit a current existing facility. Hopefully some real reporters, not me, because I've done my work for the year, will start digging on this story because that is a very aggressive timeline to have a practice facility ready for next offseason. Sorry, building one is. Having one isn't. Building one is. Yeah. 
right? I get right. what you're saying. No, but I've seen reports about you know certain plans that the Canucks have to like develop. I know a practice facility. What I'm suggesting, you know, is- they've suggested one out at SFU. I've heard, I've heard a few other mm-hmm. in the Lower Mainland that I won't talk about now because I don't have all the information on them. But I haven't heard any specific plans. Like I, I don't know of any current facilities that have been thrown around as potential practice facilities i wonder if they might do something with ubc mm-hmm. like that's where they're going to spend a lot of time and they built that new arena out at ubc in part for the olympics and it's a good facility but is it nhl facility i don't know the, you know we hear, we hear a lot about you got to have a practice facility next to and I, this is pure speculation by the way 1000 percent speculation but if you want to build a practice facility uh, close to the west side where a lot of the guys live, UBC is pretty good. Like it's nice there. I just, they can be yeah. right. They can be right by the Whitecaps facility. I, I don't just, know. They I can just, have. I just they can play. This. They can play slow pitch softball together. I don't know. You can. Yeah, yeah. And fast pitch. It's turf. You can play all year round. Um, I will say this: coming from Pittsburgh, Rutherford, Alvine, and the crew. Had their practice facility, and it, now we've made it like legend on this show. We talk about it so much. Cranberry, Cranberry is like an adjacent suburb, and it was like a twenty-five minute drive out of Pittsburgh proper. So they've got a blueprint here where they know that it doesn't have to be like attached to the actual playing facility. Like they got in Buffalo is this yeah, huge yeah. complex, right? Yeah, you walk from the Tim Hortons to one rink and then to another. Rink well, it's easier in Buffalo. There they are giving away land for free. Yeah, they were paying you to take it off their hands, basically. <laughs> so, but I, but just to put it out there for conversation's sake. Anyway, uh, we've got a big seven o'clock hour. The guests start rolling in on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Adnan Verk is going to join us at seven to do all the baseball talk we haven't got to yet, which is almost all of it. We didn't even talk about the Jays game last night. How about them Jays? Hey, laddie, we'll talk about that on the other side. 7.30, Manny Viveros, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants, is going to join us ahead of their Western Hockey League opener, which is tomorrow from the Langley Events Center. Big 7 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.